And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, they can't win a single game in a given week. But this weekly podcast is here to be your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is August 27th, 2018. This is episode 251. My name is Scott Magnus. And this is Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to stretch it out and look at expanded rosters. Oh, yeah. Scotty, I don't want to get embarrassing, but your rosters are expanding. Yeah. We'll also get ugly, ugly, ugly. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you drinking this evening? Not just this evening, but this week, Scotty. My drink of the week has been a fruit, and that is grapefruit. Yes, I am ready for the onslaught of awful pumpkin this and pumpkin that, and so I'm trying to soak up the very last of the grapefruit. I've been uh, drinking myself some Lining Kugel's uh, grapefruit shandies this week, also just before arriving down um, at least one, and that's all I'll admit to, uh, grapefruit crush. Just trying to taste the last bit of summer. All right, that's fair enough. Uh, speaking of fruit, I had a sour peach this weekend uh, at Independent Brewing in Bel Air. Highly recommended for those that want to try a, a sour, fruity beer. Uh, Jake, I am drinking a Fairlife chocolate milk this evening. I'm sorry, what? A Fairlife chocolate milk. Uh, okay. We'll get into that later on the show. There's a reason why I'm drinking oh, this oh, beverage. Oh, this, this is a prop. It, it's, it's somewhat. I also like the chocolate milk a lot. <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> when, when we say that this team makes us drink, <laughs> I love the fact that it makes you drink chocolate milk. Absolutely. This, this team loses so bad it makes us wholesome. All right, if you want to know what we're drinking on a daily basis, chocolate milk or beer or Shandy's Wise, you can follow me at MAGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go ahead and dabble on into the medical wing. All right, so the Mark Trumbo news has shifted now to will he or will not he have this season-ending surgery? And it certainly seems like all the doctors are saying, yes, by all gosh, do not play another game until you have the surgery. But it seems like Mark Trumbo is less like, I can tough it out. I can make this work. I don't want to alarm you. Yes. But we've reached the point of the year mm-hmm. in which the medical wing doesn't matter. Didn't I bring this up a few uh, days ago? A few, few yeah, about- but, but we're... we're all the way there now. Okay. okay. Hear me out here. Gotcha. Because. So I saw it coming you, and you're just like, you know what, Scott, we need to have this. And it's just like, no, we really don't. You were too prescient even then. Right. Now you're just too precious. Right. Um, you know, Richard Blyer's clearly not coming back till next year. Sure. Right. And so if Trumbo has surgery, he'll clearly not. Be, but they've stopped giving due dates uh, or, or uh, due back dates. Sure. Now it's just TBD. Right. And it's TBD because in four days. The rosters expand and it doesn't matter. Right. And none of that matters. Miners are going to start, you know, finishing up their season. So there's going to be little possibility to get significant playing time of any significant quantity. Right. There's there's no more roster manipulation to be done because the rosters are about to be expanded. Right. So you are now right in a way that you were almost right last week. The medical wing is is it's less important. All right, so what you're saying here is we have a space in the show, <laughs> and next week I can fill it with whatever I want. 
That's dangerous. Will it be chocolate milk oriented? No, but it will be kids music oriented. I'm willing to listen. All right. Well, we'll get into that next week and see what's going on. Why don't we go to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters? Jake, lead us off. All right. This is a tweet that comes from Mark Viviano. comes, of course, at Mark WJZ. Uh, Yankees 7, O's 5, final in 10 innings. Buck Showalter now has a losing record in his nine season with the O's, uh, 659 and 660. He was 53 games over 500 coming into this season. That is brutal. And, Scott, it's not just brutal because it's true. It's not just brutal because numbers are are absolute and and our fact scott i think this um i think this covers a larger point and i'm ready to talk about it now i have been uh i've been pushing against it but i think i am ready to turn the page on the buck showalter experience here in baltimore wow hear me out though this is why okay Remember, was it last week or two weeks ago? It all runs together. It was the show that we had while the Orioles were terrible. Okay. All right. We, Seems familiar. We had a discussion about players, and we said, will this player be a factor when the Orioles are good again? Right. Right? And if they're not, then it doesn't matter. Right. Right. How old is Buck Showalter now? Uh, 63? Yeah, six, so? 62, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. 60X. Yeah. If we're saying that he's if the the Orioles are going to best case scenario be good in four years, but more likely five, six. Sure. Is he still going to be managing them? No, I don't think so either. And because of that, I'm not sure that my heart can handle four, five, six years of terrible teams under Buck Showalter, because right now, as it stands, he's going to finish this season with a losing record as a Baltimore Orioles manager. And yep. people are going to look back in the history book and not have experienced this era and say, oh, Buck Showalter, he, he, he's that manager that won you know, fewer than he, than he lost. I don't think that's, that's fair. And I, I think some statements like that are as illogical as someone looking back at Earl Weaver's career and looking at his wins and losses and saying, oh, he was only a 550 manager. It, well, he wasn't that great of a team. And obviously the Orioles weren't that good during his stretch. That's absolutely incorrect. Right, right. But they're also going to have four years of people saying, oh, well, he didn't take the pitcher out at the right time. Well, what? Because he's going to have awful teams. He's going to look like a worse manager because he'll be managing terrible teams. And there are going to be four years of people burning him in effigy. Sure. I think what will be fairly and unfairly. And I I just, I don't want to do that to myself. So it's getting to the point where through no fault of his own, and there are plenty of people that disagree with that. I am ready, I think, for the next era of management. So you've been drinking this mall back for several years now, <laughs> and now you've gotten to the point where you're saying, I want to switch it up to something a little bit differently, maybe uh, a different palette, as it were. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Malbec is still good. Yeah. No, it's great. But it, you want to try something new. It, you know, it's more like this. The bottle has another glass in it mm-hmm. and no more. And if I leave it too long, it'll spoil. Wow. Bird's eye view just got really deep. <laughs> Look, it's no milk. <laughs> it's no milk. The milk is spoiling, Scott. <laughs> Speaking of memories, <laughs> this trick next week comes from uh, Sabre at Sabre, which is the Society of American Baseball Research. Tweet goes as follows. 35 years ago today, which was uh, August 24th, 1983, uh, at Orioles left-hander, Tippy Martinez sets an MLB record that may never be broken picking off three base runners in a single inning. Read the wild story at Sabre Games. 
Saber does this aspect occasionally where they go through and give kind of a story and or synopsis of a game projection, sometimes also break down a box score. It's a really interesting segment. Um, but there's some really interesting stories about the whole Tippy Martinez 1983 game. Uh, I think Dan Connolly actually wrote this up in his um, 100 Things That You Need to Know as an Orioles fan. And he did a really good job writing this up. Um, really amazing. I, I completely agree. I don't think it's ever going to be broken again. Um, mainly because people don't steal bases anymore or get on base. Or, well, people get on base, but I just think it's, it's much more of a, I don't want to risk it whatsoever. So, um, yeah, really cool moment in Orioles history. Um, and I do think, you know, when you see certain things like that happen, you know, it's going to be a special season. I mean, I think back to, to 2012 with Chris Davis coming in and pitching and I said, this is going to be a special season. This is not something that would normally happen. And it's those games which you see that you say, oh, wow, something is going to happen because of a special moment. You know, I'm not sure if that was exactly it during the 1983 season, but it was one of those things of, all right, there's some weirdness playing into our roles. It's one of the things I love about baseball. You have so many opportunities in a 162-game season to say, I've never seen that before. Right. Uh, speaking of things I've never seen before, sure, that wasn't the only memory that passed us this week. That's true. And so I want to go on a rare double tweet for this week on the twitters uh this is a memory brought to us by baseball king at baseball king this was another memory and scotty can you play me 33 seconds of audio i think i can ground ball through the middle there's a base hit bird will score bots being sent to the plate two and oh on vasquez deep to right field high fly ball salta lamakia scores vasquez will score it High fly ball to left field. The second grand slam in the game for Texas. A three-run home run for Vasquez. Texas has put 30 runs on the board. Ouch. That's right. August 22nd. It was 11 years ago today the Texas Rangers scored 30 runs against the Baltimore Orioles. And, Scotty, I was there in person. Yeah. I never realized how lucky I was. Because everybody else had to listen to the accounts and descriptions of that game through the eyes of Jim Hunter. I bet Jim Hunter was really like, bring me some holy water in here. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. That was the night, of course, that Dave Tremblay was named as manager. Yes. Do you think Dave Tremblay looks back at that night with fond memories being named the manager of the Orioles? Or do you think he looks back at that and saying, that's when it finally all came to an end? I the first night. Um, I can't imagine that Dave Tremley looks at anything in his stint with the Orioles fondly. Okay, I wouldn't. I, I think depending on the situation of your life, you may look back and say, "That's when I peaked," and then an hour later, that's when it all fell apart. <laughs> Man, this is dark. <laughs> Have some more chocolate milk. You're bumming me out. I, I will. Uh, next tweet comes from Ryan Blake at Rye Guy Blake. He tweets as follows: I'm going to eat a dozen orange crayons if Chris Davis' strikeout total is higher than his batting average at the end of the season. He posted this on April 17th, 2018. So this is a throwback tweet. But if you look uh, this week, he has added to the thread of his nervous GIF reactions. Yes. Uh, on August 21st, the average for Davis was 163, and his strikeout total was 158. Ooh. Not looking good. Not looking good, Ryan. Well, at least ESPN will call you back again. Uh, oh. Scotty, let's uh, let's do something. We uh, it's it's a hot topic, okay, and it makes people uncomfortable. Lovely. I want to mix sports, okay, and politics. Are we allowed to do that? 
Get your sports out of my politics. Okay. Uh, this is a tweet that comes from Rock Kabako at Mass and Rock, of course. Talk to me, Sam. Pre-game tribute and moment of silence for John McCain, hashtag Orioles. And it's a picture taken from the press box of the said moment of silence with a video tribute there, or a picture, still picture, of Senator John McCain, uh, uh, you know, acknowledging his passing. And uh, without going too deep into it, I would also like to acknowledge his passing because however you feel about his politics, dude was an American hero and uh, deserves to be attributed in many places, including right before the Baltimore Orioles game. It's okay that they took a photo during a moment of silence, right? That's not like poor etiquette, right? Eh, I'll let it slide. Okay. Now, it, was else, the, it was during the anthem. How completely. else would I know it was there? Well, yeah, exactly. If a picture falls in the woods. Yeah. Through words, Jake. Maybe on a podcast. <laughs> we don't need visuals, okay? We paint them here. We do paint them. <laughs> All right, uh, the next tweet that we're going to cover is from Masson Orioles, the home of all things good at Baltimore Orioles. Maximum access. Is that still around? I don't know. I don't I know anymore. The at Orioles 2019 schedule has been announced. Take a closer look. Don't look. Look away. Whatever <laughs> you do. Uh, love starting out at New York and then uh, having New York come here. So it's just like two openers basically for New York in a row. That is going to be such an unpleasant game on opening day. Yes, it really is. <sighs> yep. It's going to be uh absolute, absolutely horrible. Now, is there anything on the schedule that you are looking forward to or is it, did, you know, does, is it all a blur of losses at this point? Um, honestly, it's just a blur of losses at this point. Again, until I actually have some, understanding of what 2019 is going to to a certain degree look like it's kind of just blah i will say the west coast trip at the end of july where they go to arizona los angeles and san diego Mm. is prime territory for anybody that wants to take a west coast trip um highly would recommend that um yeah if i had a little bit of money i would be wanting to take that trip so yeah, that's the only thing that caught my eye really was that West Coast trip at the end of July. All right. Everything else is just, I see a bunch of L's and more L's and uh, more L's. So, yeah, that's all I have. This next tweet comes to us from The Good Fight. That's P-H-I-G-H-T. This is, of course, a tweet from at The Good Fight, an SB Nation blog for Philadelphia Phillies. I didn't know that we had someone in the system named Jack Zellner, if I'm being honest. This, of course, is a reference to the Orioles trade, um, which, Scotty, you informed me of in your kitchen because I missed it. Uh, I was also unaware that the Orioles now had someone in their system named Jack Zellner. What in the name of the land happened here? Uh, The Orioles traded away international draft money uh, in order to get Jack Zellner, who is apparently a first baseman that has maybe potential talent. Do the Orioles jump back in their DeLorean? They're now trading away international signing money? Um, look, I can't imagine they traded much. Um, it is still a very weird kind of signing. If It's not like you're going out and getting like pitching depth or a utility infielder. You're going out and getting a first baseman, which, again, unless you need him absolutely for like Del Mar or something like that, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't see why... A first baseman depth is absolutely needed going forward, and why this can't just be a cash considerations trade um, during the winter. So he's a couple months shy of being 24. Yeah. And he's in rookie ball. Yeah. 
And I mean, this season he's got a way to run's creative plus of one twenty four. It doesn't even matter because it's the minor leagues. Right. But especially <laughs> low A. I mean, this means nothing. And and the thing is, if the Orioles are gonna are gonna care about international signing money at this point, they ought to care about it. And if they're going to part with it, I would want them to get something. This almost feels to me it's not it's not it's not this, but it almost feels to me like a a favor. You know, you scratch your back, you scratch mine type of deal or, you know, hey, somebody in in the system knows this kid or is attached to the family and it would mean an awful lot to get him into the organization. It, it feels like that kind of so thing. So it's a make a wish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if your wish is to come to the Baltimore Orioles, you are messed up. Right. Yeah, it's it's a weird message is the best way to put put it. Um, you know, you Come out and say, We're, we really want to treasure this international money. We're going to use it to go out and sign a bunch of players, and then you trade it away. Uh, to a certain regard, you know, I think, you know, John Shepard at Camden Depot phases this pretty well, which is more than likely they've got more money than they know what to do with. And yes, even the Victor Victor Mesa, you know, signing that they potentially could be involved in is probably not going to equate to all the money that they currently have in the bank. Um, That's good, because if they burned up their opportunity to get Victor Victor uh, for this uh, Jack Zellner kid, I I, I would have been deeply disappointed. That being Not s- angry, yeah. just disappointed. That being said, I, I still don't understand the timing of it, which is if you really want to make that move and say, hey, I really like this guy, it seems like a move that you could have made, you know, later this fall after, you know, Victor Victor Mesa was completed. Which comes back to your point, which is I really do think this is more of a you scratch your back, our, you scratch our back, we scratch yours, and you're going to go out and get whatever prospect you need to sign with the additional money that you have, and then in the future we'll get some kind of reimbursement, whether it's a more favorable trade or a cash considerations down the line, in order to make this work for us. Maybe we're not thinking of this the right way. Sure. Um, you've seen Forrest Gump, right? Before it was a movie. I, I can't say I have. What? No. Oh, we're fixing that this weekend. One second. I got to pee. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> we're going to turn this podcast off right now. I'm turning this podcast around. Uh, so before it was a movie, it was a book. Um, and in the book version, Forrest is a slightly different character. And he said, you know, when you get into a fight. He was black. <laughs> when you get into a fight, the first thing you need to do is wang yourself over the head with a frying pan. Because the other guy is the word that. wang actually yes. the word that's used? Absolutely. Okay. Because if he if he sees that you're willing to do that to yourself, there's no telling what you're willing to do to him. Maybe this is a negotiating tactic. Maybe moves like this make people look at the Orioles and go, they're a little crazy. You've got to pay attention here. Okay. That's the best I got. Oh, the best I got? Okay. All right. Well, September is coming, thank God. And uh, expanded rushers are coming. I guess that's thank goodness. Let's go ahead and uh, look through the 40-man roster and try to figure out, is there anything coming up that we should be excited about? Spoiler alert, there's probably not. Well, Scotty, we are here. We're about to play meaningless games in September. Isn't this fun? Isn't this awesome? It's 
reminiscent. It is it is something. But we're about to get a totally new look. As Buck Showalter is fond of saying, there are several seasons within the season, and one of them is September baseball. And with September baseball, we get to look at the new faces of failure for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and at this point, I really feel like it's the 1989 season all over again, Scott. Why not? Why not? Why not bring people up and take a look at them? Why not? We have nothing to lose. Um, and so I, I think when it comes to the roster, there are three tiers of players that we should be on the lookout for. Okay. Right. Uh, tier one are guys that we want to see, right? We want to get a look at them. We want to know what they're about. We want to see how they adjust or, or react to the majors. Okay. Uh, the second tier, tier two, are, are guys, you know, we can go either way about. Sure. Maybe fine to see them in some games. I don't really think they're going to amount to much, but, you know, why not? And then the third tier is just org soldiers. We have zero interest in them being here. But again, in a lost season, who cares? So what? No big deal. All right. So if it's all right with you, why don't we go through each tier and just briefly talk about the players that we'd like to see? I'm going to start out with tier one, which is guys I'm really interested in. Sure. And uh, I'm just going to say this. This this is going to sound weird. I want to see Bravik Valera up here at the major league level. This is the quadruple a utility player that the Orioles got in the minor uh, in the uh, Manny Machado trade. I think he's like I don't know, 26, 28, something like that, but he's a super utility guy. I'd kind of like to see if he can be a major league uh, super utility guy, because if we got a 25th man in the Manny Machado trade that can start today, great. That's something. I got to tell you, Brady Valera does nothing for me. Uh, he'll probably do nothing for the Orioles. I'm just saying, and over the next month, I'd like to know. Yeah. I, you put him in tier one for guys we want to see. I would put him in my tier three of shoot him to the moon. I have no interest in him. <laughs> shoot him to the moon is kind. At least we're not in, in the territory of firing him off into the right. sun. I'm going to come back to the name that we've talked about all the way back to spring training. I want to see Austin Hayes up here. I want to see Cedric Mullins in center field. I want to see Austin Hayes either in left field or right field. And Craig Gentry. No, I don't want to see any more <laughs> Craig Gentry. And this notion that people mentioned to me last night on Sunday Night Baseball that Craig Gentry is a better outfielder than Adam Jones. You people are morons, okay? Absolute freaking morons. <laughs> if you think that Craig Gentry is a better outfielder defensively than Adam Jones. Excuse me. Let me get this sharp stick out of your ribs. Oh, Sorry my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's unbelievable. It's like, oh, my God, it's a white guy. Of course he's got to be better than anybody else that is out there. He is the secret weapons guy. God almighty. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so you want to see, I'm sorry, you want to see, that was an ambush, and I apologize. Now you want to see Cedric Mullins, you want to see Hayes, who do you want to see in right? Um, you know, in right field, I'm okay with Jones. I'm okay with it being Hayes and Mullins and Jones and being the outfield. And, you know, this isn't a roster expansion, but I want to see more Trey Mancini at first base. And I'll bring up this point. Trey Mancini played first base uh, during the night game on Saturday. It was absolutely abysmal. He had a horrible game, um, did a terrible job at kind of, you know, throwing to home plate, um, catching balls in the dirt, just having a general familiarity with it. And I was sitting next to this guy who actually had come down from Rochester um, and was talking to me about the Red Wings. Uh, not the Red Wings. Yeah, the Red Wings, Rochester Red Wings. And uh, he was just like, man, he's not good at all. And I was like, well, that's because he's played left field for the past two years. So, you know, he hasn't played first baseline. He's like, oh, well, I guess that makes a lot of sense. But I want to see Trey Mancini at first base. I want to see him play a lot more games like that. If uh, if Trumbo is going to be out for the rest of the season, I want to see Davis as DH. 
and I want to see Mancini at first base every single game going forward for the rest of the season. I want to know if Mancini can be the first baseman going forward for this team. If not, then maybe Davis is the best option for the time being. I hate to say it, but there's nobody else besides Mancini and Davis to really play first base. And Mancini doesn't have the $161 million albatross around his neck either. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, let, let me know if we have a disagreement about this one as well. Sure. But I would also like to see Anthony Santander back at the majors to see if he is— Do you understand how this works? <laughs> These are guys we want to see, okay? Yes, want to see. No. To see whether or not we want them. No, we do not want to see Anthony Santander. <laughs> Anthony Santander is the switch hitting not as good as Joey Rickard in our organization. So you're convinced he's nothing? He's nothing. All right, th- that's fine. I would like I would like to be sure. We have the time, we, Scott. We have we, the time. We have the time. We can let him perform for us. It's it's like when your kids write their Listen, own song and they want to play it for you. The only role Anthony Santander serves right now is basically satisfying Lila Shapiro Sears' request that we have live in person hot dog races. Anthony Santander needs to dress up as mustard <laughs> and basically run around the field and basically fall to the very end before he reaches home plate. So, according to you, I'm sucking at this. Yes. That's okay. Absolutely. Let, let me try to redeem myself just a little bit. Okay. D- do we do we want to see Chance Cisco? We do. Okay, I got one. We do want to yes. see Chance Cisco, And unfortunately, I'm going to be controversial here. I want to see Chance Cisco, and I want to see Austin Wins play the majority of the starts going forward this season. And I don't want to see any more of Caleb Joseph. And I love Caleb Joseph. But Caleb Joseph is doing absolutely nothing going forward for the future I want to see who is going to shine more, whether it be Wins and or Cisco defensively or pairing with the pitchers. And I want to know who is going to be my starting catcher going into 2019 between those two. Yep. We and have right now, left to learn. I'm left with, I don't know which one's better. They both kind of had somewhat terrible seasons. Um, I want to know who can potentially catch fire and be my 2019 catcher. So Cisco and Wins need to be playing the majority split four three and joseph needs to be taking a bench on the seat um and just playing, watching playing the drums playing the drums and maybe doing some coaching mm. um but you know, it, joseph doesn't ha- need to have a role actually on the field you know the only thing i would love to see joseph do is i'd love for him to come in and play third base for eduardo nunez occasionally occasionally just to see what happens but that's it that's the only thing i want to see joseph do for in september i want to see joseph start uh, transitioning into his broadcasting career. Okay. All right. Those are the guys that I had in my tier one. Is there anybody else that you're dying to see that's in your tier one? Yeah. So I've got Luis Ortiz coming over from the Jonathan Scope trade. Um, that I think is an interesting one. 22-year-old right-hander um, has been in the minor since 2014. So he's going to be required to be added to the 40-man roster um, or else he'll be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. So my point of the matter is, you might as well put him on the 40-man roster now, see what he has available at the major leagues, and kind of go from there. You're going to option him next year. You're going to make it work. Um, but I want to see what he could potentially do out of the bullpen and or you know a three or four inning start. And I really want to see, can the Orioles put something together with a Norfolk shuttle that potentially resembles a little bit what the Rays are doing? We're saying, hey, we only want you to get through one times through the rotation and see what happens. I want to see what a Luis Ortiz can do. I don't think it'll be great, but with a plus fastball, a plus slider, um, I do think it'd be interesting to make him into 
um, what we expected Miguel Castro to be this season. Um, and Miguel Castro has not been that. Maybe Luis Ortiz is the next Miguel Castro. That's a great point. I didn't grab anybody not on the 40-man roster, but I, I yes, I co-sign all of that. Okay. Is there anybody else down there in the depths that you're excited about seeing? Um, so another one that I, I'd be interested in, but I don't think he has justified it since coming over to the Orioles is Dylan Tate, who came mm-hmm. over from yeah. um, you know the Zach Burton trade. Um, really interesting in terms of, again, that fastball slider approach. Again, doesn't need to be added to the 40-man roster just yet. So I would hold off on him for the time being. But Dylan Tate is an interesting individual. Dean Creamer also is a really interesting one, too. Again, coming over from the Machado trade, um, he's one of the top 20 hot prospects, according to Baseball Prospectus. Not a great aspect in terms of his future value, plus fastball, plus curveball, but has been absolutely lighting it up lately in the minors. Again, I don't know if the time is right now. But I do think that at some point in 2019, he's going to have to be added to the 40-man roster, and we're going to have to see what he can do. I just don't think it's the right time to do it just yet. So Dean Creamer is an interesting one for me. Um, just if the Orioles want to start that clock or not is the big question. Um, that's generally it. I mean, Evan Phillips is another one that I, I could potentially see, but we've kind of seen him already, but I might want to see more of him. Um, but that's about it. I I, I really want to see um, those pitchers more so than anything else to see who can potentially flush out the rest of the bullpen again we're sans darren o'day mm-hmm. we're going to be sans zach Britton. um we'll have to see if richard blyer can actually even come back this bullpen is going to have to be recrafted and we're going to have to figure out who can potentially pitch the seventh eighth and ninth going forward um i'm not saying the Orioles are going to need to have a lot of opportunities to maintain leads in the seventh eighth and ninth in the 2019 but we're going to need to start building up that depth strength in terms of the bullpen, which is how the Orioles were successful during 2012 to 2017. Yeah, and to your point, you know, Zach Britton wasn't expected to be a dominant sure. closer, right? It came out of nowhere. Right. Hopefully that's where the next one comes from. All right, I, I'm going to move on to Tier 2. Um, my Tier 2 guys that I can go either way about are, are – I just have two listed, and you can let me know if there's anybody else that you feel about this way. I want to see – I want to see if these two guys are anything – but I'm not really excited about it, right? Like with Chance Cisco, I want to know, right? Do we have something here? Uh, my two guys are Donnie Hart and Jimmy Yacobonis. Mm-hmm. And I say that because we've seen both of them in Major League action. We've seen them uh, have good games, and we've seen them get sent back to the minors with good reason. And I feel like this is an opportunity for them to shine and see whether or not they can turn themselves into a consideration for being in the bullpen next year. You know, is Donnie Hart a serviceable loogie in the major leagues or was he a flash in the pan sure and i think that you know building a resume in this september can can go into that conversation as well as next spring, spring training and jimmy yakabonis he's not going to be a starter in the major league yeah. level but does that arm translate into being a one or two inning reliever and again can he build a resume in september and next spring training to make a move i'm not saying he can but I'm at least interested. Correct. And I'd say, I think the book has been written on Donnie Hart at this point. I agree. Um, But I do want to know whether Donnie Hart should be on the 40-man roster going forward or not. Um, I am in the same opinion as Jimmy Yacobone. It's interesting. Um, Not quite sure if he can do what we want him to do, but maybe he's the next Mike Wright. Um, Yeah, I'd be interested in both of those just to give them basically innings to fill out and see what happens. I don't really expect much of them and I don't think that they're going to be of great talent and it's not of interest to me, but if I'm looking to basically 
fill the uh, entire schedule of September up, I want to see at least them pitch <sighs> 10 innings. Yeah, somebody's got to pitch. Yeah. Might as well be them. Yeah, 10 innings. All right, let me move on to... T- I'd, rather oh, see, I'd rather see them than Sean Gilmartin. Yeah. Sean Gilmartin does nothing for me. Right. And I don't understand why the Orioles feel like they want to put bring, put Sean Gilmartin up there besides him just being a left-hander. But there's nothing that I see with a Sean Gilmartin that really interests me. So Cool. Well, is there anybody else on your Tier 2 list that I didn't hit there? Um, Not really, no. Uh, I, I, there's nothing really in Tier 2 that I would say I absolutely would want to see more time from them on the field so so my my tier three is basically look if if they get brought up on the roster and they get major league experience or they're just there hanging out wouldn't bother me but i, I don't want to see them play sure. right and so uh we can we can actually run through this i think there's only one discussion point that you and i'll have on this but uh let me start with just joey rickard like, sure i don't care he doesn't i if if they're not going to bring up austin hayes then they're going to bring up joey rickard and it's going to drive me insane that Joey Rickard will get time over Austin Hayes. So if Austin Hayes comes up, there is no place for Joey Rickard at this time to come up. Yeah. I mean, the only thing it costs the Orioles is extra money for giving him, you know, major league per diem, basically. Yeah. I, it just, there's no point to it. And it just clutters up the, the locker room. Yeah. And Buck is a, is a proponent of that. All right. Um, Engel Vielma. Yeah. Too many, too many infielders already that are unimpressive. I don't think he needs to be here. So, um, the only reason I like Viema over Bravik Valera is I like saying his name better than Bravik Valera. <laughs> Bravik? Bravik. Bravik. He sounds like a Viking. Bravik sounds like um, an individual that would go out LARPing on weekends, basically. <laughs> That's more than enough reason for me to love him. In fact, let's... Let's do this. It's that theater background speaking right there. When we, we we blew we blew this. We did this in the wrong order. Scotty, when they bring up players, we need to assign them personalities before we've learned who they are. You know, back in the day, there used to be this podcast. <laughs> and they used to assign nicknames to players. No, no, no. I don't want to assign nicknames. I want to give them identities. Like, these are their hobbies. These are their friends. This is who they are. Jake, I think you're failing to realize the nicknames were their identities. They were their personalities. There was no better example when Brad Brock was pitching of saying, Brad Brock! Yeah, but if we refer to if we refer to Bravik the 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 uh, Valera as the LARPer for his entire Orioles career. No, it's the no aspect of he, if that. he's a LARPer and it's Bravik Valera, it'd be like I'm Bravik the Destroyer. <laughs> now I want him to make the team just so that we can call him Bravik the Destroyer. <laughs> All right. Uh, see, I had him in my tier one. I was down for this. Folks, for you youngins out there that potentially listen to the show and know how to do Photoshop, if you could give Jake a photo of Bravik Valera with some Viking horns on him and everything like that, Jake would be ultimately very pleased. I am literally crying right now. <laughs> Um, so I don't want to see Joey Rickard was the big point of that <laughs> or, or Angel Pioma. Um, do we veer too off script here? No, okay. no, I think we've, I think we've uncovered important points here. Okay. Uh, I have no desire to see Andrew Susak, uh, no. because we have important questions at the catcher position. Right. Um, Steve Wilkerson, uh, again, being an infielder doesn't do anything for me because I think the, the sacks are full yeah here's a guy i had in tier three sure that you mentioned in tier one so i'm I'm curious what this is about evan phillips yeah i mean we've seen a little bit of phillips and it, it doesn't look like his stuff is playing up here um i i'd maybe put him in that tier one or tier two category i don't think i put him in the tier three okay i'm willing to accept that I, but uh 
Uh, I, if, I just, I'm uninterested in him. If anything, we should be going out there during September and just saying, we're going to throw as many starting pitchers out there as we can. If any, just to limit the amount of starting pitching innings that Dylan Bundy has to throw and just say, you know, this game is going to be a bullpen game and we're going to throw three innings, two innings, one inning, one inning, one inning, one inning, and just kind of go from there and just, just see what happens. Um, have it be very much of a spring training game, mm-hmm. as it were, um, and just you know play it up and see how well it goes. Yeah, I hear you. I think the only the only problem with that, and, and there's no there's no downside to right. what you just said. Uh, the only other thing that I would say is that I think the real test is can you get through a lineup more than once, and sure. that's the difference between guys that can be here and guys right. who can't. Right. Um, one thing that's not on the script. Let me veer off. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we haven't talked about when it comes to rosters in September is the fact that, uh, you know, revocable waivers are in force as of now. Sure. Uh, lots of guys have cleared, including, by the way, Cobb and Kashner. Sure. Do you think that there will be any trades that we aren't expecting or, or weren't expecting uh, before we found out who had passed and who hadn't? No. Okay. So you think that the guys that are here are here to stay? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think that's that's probably right. I, I can't imagine anybody getting traded at this time. The only person that even has value to a playoff team would be Adam Jones, and Adam Jones is not leaving this team. Yeah. The, I mean, the only way that you could even kind of see that is if a contender has a serious injury. Sure. Here's one thing I'd like to see. I think Buck knows that this is it. What I would like to see is for Buck to basically say, I am going to step away for a few games, and I'm going to let John Russell manage a few games and i'm going to take care of a few family matters yeah yeah i like that i like and that. say i'm going to step away for a series and i'm going to let john russell basically manage this team for three games and kind of do it as a um on an addition to as it were um and kind of a john i appreciate everything that you did for this team and for me over these past few years um i want you to be kind of in the limelight for just a brief moment for people to realize what you what this team could look like under your leadership. Yeah, I don't think that I, I think if they, I don't think I don't want that move. Right. I don't want John Russell as the manager. But what I would what I'm saying is I would like to see that happen where Buck says, I'm going to make this move and do something to get eyes back on this team and get people talking about this team about what does this mean? It's it's a nice tip of the cap for a good baseball guy. I don't think that there's any shortage of people within the industry that that over that, that don't know what Russell is capable sure. of. Sure, right? Uh, I but do think I, it gets people talking about it, though. Right. and yeah. I think that's one of those situations where it gets people talking. So I would like to see Buck step away for one series, and I'd like to see John Russell manage the team for one series. Not saying I would want John Russell as a manager, but I think that'd be a nice ode. You know what he really ought to do? He ought to step aside for a series and let Dave Tremblay run this team. No, we don't need to do that. That would be a very ugly situation. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Scotty, stop. Stop. 
Stop. I, I no. can't. I can't do it. I I cannot do this. Is this the end? Look, I know that the good and the bad and the ugly has been a staple for, I mean, what hundreds of episodes at this point. But I can't. I just can't do it. The Orioles are mired in a god awful season. They have lost eight straight games. We're back in the territory of me asking aloud, what's the last thing that you enjoyed about baseball? And people have to stop and think. Can you think of the last game they won? You have to stop and think. This it team was two Saturdays ago. Complete game, show, complete game, two inning, uh, two earned runs given up by Alex Cobb. Fair enough. Yeah. This team is awful right now. That's because it was the only good thing that's happened over the past two weeks. So it's, it's not that hard. So I'm not going to stand here and pick out good and bad things. Scott, this team has been ugly this week, and so I'm going to recommend that for this segment, we do the ugly, the ugly, and the ugly. Ooh. Okay. We can do that. All right. Why don't you go ahead and start us off with your ugly, Jake? All right. My ugly this week goes to Miguel Castro. You mentioned it earlier. How far has his stock fallen since there was talk of making him the fifth starter at the beginning of the season? This past week, he's given up earned runs in both of his appearances, totaling two innings pitch, including a five-earned run disaster on the 22nd, in which he pitched without recording an out. You want to talk ugly? That, my friend, is ugly. Yeah. You know, the Cedric Mullen situation where he was out for Sunday Night Baseball was a shame, but also Cedric has taken a downturn as of recently. This past week, he posted a 74 weighted runs created plus. Now, we knew regression was going to happen. With him posting a 200 weighted runs created plus, we knew that he was going to have a bad situation um, happen. But you didn't hope it was going to happen this quickly. You wanted kind of a Trey Mancini kind of phenomenon to happen. And instead, uh, we're seeing this up-down roller coaster again with Cedric Mullins. I really like what I'm seeing with Cedric Mullins. I want to continue to see Cedric Mullins play out there in September. But I certainly hope that we see more of, you know, his initial first 10 games as opposed to his past past week. Cedric Mullins was ugly, and the whole injury situation looming over him for the rest of September is not good. All right, my ugly for this week is going to go to Adam Jones. Adam Jones in what is probably the swan song of his Orioles career. Um, you know, I want to I want to have good memories of Adam Jones. I don't want to look at him and see the right fielder who tallied a negative nine weighted runs created plus in 25 at bats. I want to see a guy who's being productive. I want to see a guy who is leading the team, not only because he's the heart and soul of that clubhouse, but also because he's still a productive major league hitter playing a competent right field. And I didn't get that this week. And that, that hurts. It's ugly. My leave is also going to go to going through the motions. There was nothing, as you pointed out, of significance or interest that you can point back to and say, well, at least they tried here, or at least this was a fun play that we can remember. It was just a whole lot of blah. I can't think of a single moment from the Blue Jays series. I just remember them going into Toronto. I remember games ending in Toronto. I remember Buck kind of giving his, like, mm, can't believe that happened. And then them going back into the clubhouse. This going through the motions isn't what baseball is about. Yes, it's white noise. Yes, there's really nothing that goes on of major significance during most of the game. But there's always that one or two moments that catch your eyes or catches your kids' eyes. And you guys can talk about it for five minutes. Those moments aren't existing right now in Baltimore. Those moments aren't existing with the Orioles. And it makes it really tough 
for people to be engaged with the Orioles when nothing of interest is happening. Yeah, well said. Scotty, my ugly this week goes to Major League Baseball. This this isn't even a whiny Baltimore chip on my shoulder thing. Look, I know it can be seen that way. It kind of is, but... <laughs> but Major League Baseball scheduling the Orioles-Yankees game as your Sunday night baseball game was boring scheduling at best. There were other games on the docket for that day of good clubs playing interesting baseball, playing meaningful baseball. And so I think it was at best boring scheduling, and at worst it was a cruel attempt to serve the Orioles up as a homecoming game for the New York Yankees. Was this designed to be entertainment through humiliation? Really, there were no other games in the schedule that ESPN thought that they could sell the product. And when I say the product, I mean Major League Baseball, and not the New York Yankees. And there should be a difference. I almost said there is a difference. Mm -hmm. But for ESPN, I'm not sure there is a difference. And so I find it ugly that the Orioles were showcased in all of their glory on Sunday Night Baseball in what is a humiliating season for them anyway. It just is red meat for those that will treat them as a uh, as a punchline for the rest of the season and throughout the offseason and for the Yankee fan base. So that was ugly for me. It's funny you should mention that. So uh, my ugly is going to go to Saturday. Saturday was a rough day. If you were an Orioles fan and you managed to get down to the ballpark to go to either the afternoon game or evening game, major props to you. Walking into that stadium where the ratio of Orioles to Yankees fans had to be at least four to one Yankees to Orioles fans, and that's if I'm being kind, is super tough. When you walk into the stadium with your significant other and she says, I feel like I'm at a visitor's game and it's really awkward to even cheer for the home team, it's a bad sign. Not to mention it's a really bad situation where you're looking around the park and you're looking in the upper deck and there are complete sections empty in the upper deck. And then you're looking at your ticket and you realize that the cheapest ticket that's available for a Yankees uh, Orioles game on a Saturday night is $30. And we wonder why there aren't Orioles fans in the park. Why would an Orioles fan go and pay $30 to get into a Yankees Orioles game when they could just wait and go to an Orioles and Blue Jays game for $14? I understand the need to basically increase ticket prices to basically cash in on the Yankees fans that are coming down and the Red Sox fans going down. But there has to be some incentive for fans to buy Red Sox and buy Yankees tickets going forward. I don't think there's an easy way to solve this. But there has to be some way to incentivize the local hometown fans to go and cheer on the team rather than the bandwagon fans coming down from New York, New Jersey, and or Northern Virginia to come and support Red Sox Nation and or Yankee Nation. I don't know what the solution is, but until it is solved, I can't recommend going to any game that is a Red Sox game or Yankees game. And it is one of those situations where come next year when season tickets come up, I will be talking to my season ticket rep and saying, I'll be willing to buy a 13 game plan, but any games that I have against the Red Sox and the Yankees, I want basically fully refunded for a, for either another game or uh, 
in its entirety. Yeah. I mean, because you want to be part of the solution, but you don't want to be there. Right. There's no way you want to be there. No, there's... There was nothing that made me feel like I was there for a home game, is the best way to describe it. Now, I will say, on a whole, the Yankees fans were not that bad. They were cheering for their team, which is perfectly fine, but it wasn't like um, it wasn't like they were picking at scabs, is the best way to describe it. They, there was plenty of conversations to be had, but it wasn't this 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 feeling of like, oh, um, you know, we've got a conflicting relationship here and we're fighting it out um and maybe that's because they just took pity <laughs> but uh still at the end of the day looking at how much money you would have to spend to get into that stadium it does make one wonder um why would an oriole fan do this if they could basically do it for half price two days later so. yeah uh, well this was depressing this was depressing although it was my idea so i'll i'll own up to that yeah do we want to go ahead and uh, blow a save? Sure. Let's do All it. All right. So, Jake, I mentioned earlier on the show, I've got this lovely beverage. Yeah, what is going on with you? You're scaring me, Scott. So I was thinking about it. I was walking around uh, this weekend, and I was wearing my orange Iron Man shirt, which has got kind of a black printed on Ripken aspect. And everywhere I went, people wanted to instantly start up a conversation about me and Cal. So, of course, that's why I'm drinking my milk today, because, of course, Cal is, you know, a full endorsing of milk. But it got me to thinking while wearing this shirt, you know, I, I wear my Jones jersey. I wear a Davis jersey occasionally. I wear a Baltimore Orioles but it's only when I wear this Cal Ripken shirt when people engage with me and want to have a conversation with me. And I question this, Jake. What is it going to take and who is it going to potentially be for that player to be the next Cal Ripken, for that player to be the next Brooks Robinson? Was Manny Machado ever going to be that player? Or are we going to be waiting, again, another 15 or 20 years in order to basically get that generational talent that we so crave in Baltimore. Look, Baltimore loves a hero. Baltimore loves to root for um, the perennial, you know, good guy. Um, Baltimore loves to work for root for that guy that it kind of seems like the working class citizen that goes out there every single day with his lunch pail. And to a certain regard, I feel like Adam Jones has been that, but I don't feel like if Adam Jones leaves, or even if Adam Jones stays, that he's going to be considered in that similar similar echelon of a Ripken or Brooks. Hmm. I agree with you that, I don't know, if Manny Machado had stayed and was part of something special here in a long Oriole career, mm -hmm. yeah, he could have been that guy. I think if, I think if Adam Jones tacks on another three I, years... I see Adam Jones in the... Nick Marcakis, Brian Roberts sector of like really good player. And I'd be willing to have a conversation with it, but not iconic Baltimore sports hero. So I would argue though, that we don't know what that looks like because I don't think there's enough. I know exactly what it looks like. It looks like a guy with a milk mustache. Okay. <laughs> it, I don't think we have enough distance between the end of the playing career of Roberts or Marcakis yet because I mean, Marcakis is still active. What about this? 
Could Jones be a guy in the BJ Surhoff, Jeff Conine territory where you have really loyal pockets of fans for those guys? I think Jones is far above that. I consider the Jeff Conine and stuff like that is more of the Mark Reynolds or Nate McClough love that we have given in the past. But I think Adam Jones is at a completely different level. But he's not at that Ripken level. Like when I walk around with my my simply AJ10 shirt where, you know, he's blowing a bubble, people don't engage with me with that shirt on. It's only when I'm wearing Ripken when I just it gets stopped by. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of unfair because Ripken is is I mean, he's a baseball hall of famer. So I, I feel like each town mm-hmm. has only one Ripken-esque guy. I see what you're saying. And I, I think that there has to be, there's a difference between really good player, all-star player, and, and legendary player. And I think Brooks and Cal fit into that legendary category. And maybe that's what I'm going for is people, specifically where we live up in Harvard County, people always feel a connection to Ripken as well. But I do wonder to myself, are we waiting for that next legendary player and is that next legendary player even in the farm system at this time? My hunch is the answer is no. Is that person born yet? <laughs> that's the other question. Is that person even born yet? So I think that's what's going to have to happen. I think we're going to have to get one of those kind of legendary players. The big question is, was Machado that legendary player? And did the Orioles blow their chance at basically having that generational talent that could have been that legendary player like a Ripken or like a Brooks? And that's what scares me. Very, very possibly. And that is our show. (laughs) That's our sad, (laughs) sad show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. And please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen and be mopey for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to reach us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will cry into my grapefruit beverages as I bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. It wasn't that sad. Eh. Jake, did you want to lick my milk mustache off? That's not happening. Mm. It's not even a little bit. Not even a little bit? It does not do a body good. No. Does something good. Nope. 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 Three glasses every day, Jake. Move your car as he's up. Try not to miss one. It's over. Go home. Go.